What's up, guys? Welcome back to Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland. I'm Scott McNally, guys. Um, all of our programming is brought to you by truenutrition.com as well as get azoth, that's A-Z-O-T-H.com, and supplementneeds.co.uk. Out the gate, I'm going to warn you, guys, Dave is in a foul, foul mood today. He's a foul man in a foul mood. What's new? He also said that he is in full support of my t-shirt idea. I did not. All we need is a hundred people to comment saying that they want the shirt. I, I tell you what, then if you can get 100 comments saying they want the t-shirts, we'll do it. 100 comments saying mm-hmm. they want the t-shirts. And I'll even do a stupid picture like that. <laughs> We can get 100 people to comment, and he didn't specify in one show. So I'm going to say we already have about seven. We only need about don't 93 exaggerate. more. We need about 93 more. You I haven't commented count, yet. And none of your fake accounts count. I do count because I am, oh. I'm going to wear the shirt every day. We're going to make a shirt that Dave has a fun picture of Dave on the front, having a good time, a jolly old time, and it's going to say Chip Chip Cheerio. Dave Crossland. He loves this idea. He just doesn't want to admit it. Oh, God help me. You know something? I must have been an absolute arsehole in a previous life to get fucking stuck with you. Um, so we, we have uh, some drugs in the news today. Dave, you uh, sent me this story, and it was Alex KT who had sent it to you. Uh, it, you we've had a lot of talk about myostatin, and uh, now... Here we go. We've got a, a story about it. This is a, a story about, as they're calling it, um, mighty mighty mice. Is that is that what they're calling them, Dave? Mighty mighty mice. Hmm. Um, after for weeks of going on about the fact that there are no effective myostatin drugs currently available. Yeah. Um, then this this gets published last week. Yeah. Um, so they've. They've sent some. One of the problems they have with long-term space travel, long-term occupation of the space station, is muscle wastage because of a zero gravity environment. And even though they they have exercise regimes up there and everything's tailored around maintaining as much muscle mass, it does become an issue. Um, they found in certain mice studies that muscle loss continues after they return as well for a period of time, mm-hmm. and bone density loss is another big issue, which is linked to the muscle issue. Um, so they've been experimenting with myostatin and some mice and they've had a successful outcome. Um, so these mice have come back from space hench. They come come back what? Hench. What's that mean? Don't you have a hench in, in, oh, there, the good old US of Asa? No, I don't know what that is. Hench is a slang term, a bit of an urban term. Hench. For someone who's jacked, I suppose, would be your alter- alternative. I know that word, jacked. Yeah, so I suppose it's the UK version of the word jacked. Okay. So we have jacked as well. Um, and um, the researchers have actually said uh, they would suspect that it would, or they would hope it would be looking at human trials in about two, but no, that's two to three years' time for human trials. Two so to three years' time. we're still a long way from, yeah, so we're still a, a long way from from seeing a, a viable product, hmm. but I suspect there will be somebody with money, probably out there in Dubai or such like that, has already contacted the research companies on this, and if they can get their hands on some. Have you seen Brandon Curry lately? <coughs> He's looking crazy, man. No. He's looking crazy. I'm wondering if they, if maybe like uh, Oxygen Gym, already contacted these guys. I've got a picture of uh, one of these hench mice. So this bottom mouse here is the hench. Am I saying that right? Henched mouse. The top Hench. mouse is Hench. next to a normal mouse. This is a big substantial difference here. That guy is mm. jacked. He's henched. Yeah, I think they were. I mean, I'm looking at the scientific study now, not the um, news reports one. But mm-hmm. uh, they're talking. I think they were talking. 24% increases. Holy cow. 24%. In muscle muscle mass and density, yeah. That's crazy. 
I did. Well, we've always said once this shit became successful. I mean, don't quote me on that because I have only skim read this. I haven't read it, and it is yeah a lot of it's a very analytical report, so it's a lot of numbers. Um, but uh, always said if they got this right. Um, it would be an absolute physique changer and it would change what we regard as being possible. It says the eight genetically engineered mice have double the muscle of their, of their fellows manage Hmm. and maintain their mass at a level comparable to mice, which remained on earth at NASA's Kennedy space station. So you were saying the whole thing is, is that they, they want to combat muscle wasting in space. Without gravity, hmm. we deteriorate quick, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, muscle wastage treatment as a medical treatment is is a big, big moneymaker. So whoever brings this to patent and gets it successfully passed and everything else, it is this is one of those you know, trillion-dollar drugs. Um, huh. It really is. Do you think... Um, Kind of off topic, but related. I, I just was thinking about it. So I have a friend who has um, fascial scapula humeral muscular dystrophy. And uh, he takes albuterol because they've done trials mm. with it that it helps to prevent muscle wasting. We've all heard, mm. you know, the stories about Clen being anabolic for animals. I wonder if clenbuterol, would you speculate that clenbuterol has some muscle building or at least muscle retaining properties to it. I think in humans, clen at the most can be regarded as being anti-catabolic. I don't think it can be regarded as being anabolic. Yeah, I feel like I've seen better improvements with people muscle-wise using clen than not. Mm. But I, I wouldn't categorize I, it like you could use this instead of a steroid, you know? No, and I know a lot of people... And I've seen a lot of people tout it as a almost a starter cycle or, or something for an introduction into some sort of muscle building compounds. Okay. Um, I, I disagree there, but I do think it is anti-catabolic. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, if if this drug's successful, it's going to transform a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I mean, this is a. This isn't just a management drug. This will be a reversal drug for people like your friend with that condition. Yeah. Well, listen, we do have some questions here. Uh, Before we got into that, I did want to kind of create another little, you know, what I've been trying to do here is create, um, you know, a steroid profile topic each week. Instead of going to an actual steroid today, though, I thought it might be interesting to cover the various esters of testosterone. You see all sorts of information out there. Some people say there's no difference. Test is test is test. And then you hear other people say that there is a dramatic difference. What do you think, Dave, about the the differences between the different esters of test? And while you start, I'm going to let my dog out of the studio because she's just walking back and forth. Unprofessional, Scott. At least mine just sits here and snores. Okay. Um... I am actually typing in esters because I can't remember half the bloody half-lives. Well, they're different in in real life anyway, you know? Uh, well, that's that's a, a topic in its own right is um, terminal half-life against half-life and the rest of it. Okay, so scientifically, there would be no real reason why a sipinate test would have any more or different effect to a propionate test if the active dose was comparable. Okay. And I think that's the problem then is how do we track the active dose? Because it changes with both drugs and it's changing constantly because one, they're constantly degrading. Mm. Um, and two, people metabolize at different rates. So, and then you've, you've obviously, you can work out the ester weight, which is for those that don't know, esters have a weight so when you inject uh, 100 milligrams of, of test and anthate you don't get 100 milligrams of test what, what do you get there's 82 i think yeah, that's what i thought around 80 yeah it's around 80 um so um there is a mild impact from that obviously but in science basis technically test is test 
So, you know, the hormone doesn't change. Yeah. And when the ester is stripped from the hormone, I mean, the easiest way to describe an ester is, is a, a coating that prevents access to the hormone or delays access to the hormone for a period of time. Yeah. When the, when the three hormones release, it, it then goes to its, its natural half-life of a few hours. Okay. So, that, um, But it doesn't just like time – that's another thing I think. Some people think that if you take a shot of test D, it, it just sits there and waits. And then three weeks later, boom, it releases. You're getting no. passed from the start, right? Yeah, twenty within 24 hours. Well, blood plasma will peak in 24 hours. Okay, okay. Um, it, it, it degrades the rate at which the body it, – it's not quite true thinking of a coating because it's more a resistance. So what it does is it, it slows the rate at which the body can metabolize that drug. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, more than the rate at which the drug is made available to the body. So I, I sort of explained that quite poorly, actually, so I do apologize. So, yeah, so it, it's the rate at which the body can metabolize the drug that's slowed down. Yeah, that makes um, sense. So, you know, it would it'd be like having an extra coating on your, your, your brake pad. It's going to take a bit longer for you to get through. Still the same brake pad, but it'll take a bit longer to get through because it's got a little bit more extra coating. Um, but having said all that, this is where things change. Okay. Because the speed of hormonal peaks and the style of hormonal peaks greatly influence the, the, the hormones conversion to, to estrogen. Mm, okay, yeah. And, and they greatly uh, influence the way the body reacts to the influence of that hormone. So with ananthate, you get a very rapid peak, not quite as rapid as you would have for propionate, but you'll still get a peak within 24 hours, but then you get a very gradual decline. With a propionate, you get a very rapid peak within 12 hours, uh, but you'd also get a quite a rapid decline. Yeah. Uh, and, and so um, that action does seem to impact on how the drug affects people, particularly on stuff like water retention, things like that. Hmm. Um, it would appear <clears throat> that because the longer esters spend more time in the excess range area here, above normal range, that they will trigger a stronger estrogen response. Where because the faster esters tend to peak and drop in and out, they trigger much less estrogen conversion. So effectively, dose for dose, you would have more usable testosterone in your system of test prop than you would of test nth. That makes sense. But the downside is you'd probably have more, and this goes on to a question we're asked, so you'd probably have more stuff like test flu symptoms from a test prop than you would from a test nth. Mm, yeah, yeah, and we do have a test flu question, so we'll... Uh, mm. Good, good call there, Dave. We'll get back to that in a little bit. Um, and I, I think logistically, trying to get the, enough probe in there to match the levels you could get of a long-acting test is going to require a lot more oil, I think, in general. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the general delivery system. The less of an ester, the more painful the shot. Yeah. The lower the shot is dosed because of that, because it is just unbearable. If you try to shoot 300 mig of test prop mm. or even 200 mig of test base, Jesus Christ, you're going to be in pain. That's going to hurt like a mother. Yeah. Um, and so the, the esterification of the drug also makes it much easier to handle when it comes to injecting larger doses. That makes sense. Um, the nuances and finance of it in, in the big picture, I don't think really make much difference. Mm hmm. I don't think it's really warranted, which is the same reason when we were looking at front loading last week. I don't think it's warranted because I just don't think it makes that much difference in the overall. And I think it creates much more stresses on the body that are unnecessary for not really a huge amount of gain. Hmm. But if you were at the nth level and everything was super on point and you were looking for the, every little bit of an advantage, then you know, the effect or the impact you're going to see on your physique is, is probably not even worth thinking about. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think the logistics of short esters, personally, I stopped using them a long time ago. It, it just hasn't been, I, I just don't see it as being, to me, I found that like the less oil you can int introduce, 
the better off you are. The less chance there is going to be of issues, especially I think of like contest prep. You know, somebody's doing like every other day shots to everyday shots. Logistically, man, that becomes a literal pain in the butt. And not to mention, man, all the potential risk. Every time you take a shot, you're risking that muscle swelling up. You're risking an infection. And especially as your as your immune system's getting weaker. I just try to avoid. In fact, like I used to be a fan of. Do you see a difference? And I'm getting a little off topic here. Do you see a difference between Masteron Propanate and Masteron Enthate? Because I, I don't really see a results difference personally. No. In fact, I would say that probably out of the drugs where esters play a role, that one is probably one of the ones, and Prima would be another one where the ester seems to have the lowest impact or change on, on how you get on with the drug. Okay. Test, you can sort of see some changes and differences, and you can definitely feel some issues and changes if you use one to the other. Sure. Trend, trend very much so, just mm-hmm. because of that, the directness of the drug. Yeah. But mass and Primo, because it's mild in general in how it feels as a drug, um, I don't see any real discernible difference. Um, the only way where I would say... Um, a fast actor would be useful is if you were trying to maintain a certain level of drug very rapidly and, and have much finite control over that drug. You can do that with a fast actor. True. That's what I've done with Tren. I found yeah. that it's easier to control um, side effects in that uh, you can reduce the dose fast. You can you know, split it up into even everyday shots at an even lower dose than you would every other day. And, you know, much, I, much easier to manage the application of the actual doses you're using. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, Corey Wright asks, um, what carrier oils do they use for test probe? Lard. What is it? Lard. Lard? Mm-hmm. As a carrier oil? I thought they used like cottonseed. Ephololate, rapeseed, cottonseed. Same stuff as anything uh, else, right? Yeah, generally. You'll find some people will use different ones for test prop, but mm. I don't, I've never seen a necessity for that. I think it's just personal choice. Yeah. It's more of an issue when you're trying to suspend very high doses. Mm. What's that, your personal, that that's, uh, what's your personal favorite carrier? You know what? It's something I never, ever paid any interest in when I was using. Hmm. Um, I was never one of these hyper alert users who really monitored every feeling I got when I was on cycle. So I, I wouldn't have really known the difference of one drug using one carrier to another drug for myself. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Cause I just quite, I generally, I felt like shit on cycle anyway. <laughs> 90% of the time. Um, the times of feeling Superman were long gone. Um, hmm. But no, I mean, I, uh, I've i never had an issue with any carriers. Uh, I've, I have I would occasionally get a bad shot, but I was very sensitive to test. So yeah. I had to be careful with esters. Oh, really? Yeah, our prop was murdering for me. Hmm. I couldn't I couldn't put a Miller prop in. That's what about Sustanine, which contains a small amount of it? I had to be careful, and a few times I'd... Like run out of an anthate or run out of sip. I thought I'll just use a bit of Suster Bridge. Completely forgot that it had prop in it. Done a mil shot or a two mil shot, and woke up the next morning going, "Oh, look, fuck off! That's got prop in it." And it out. Yeah, yeah some people <laughs> because, are really sensitive. Yeah, swell like fuck. Massive swellings off it. I also think sometimes, you get sometimes sensitive. it was advantage. <laughs> yeah, to get the, to get like a rounder look to a muscle. Yeah, I think that um, I was going to say some people are. Uh, sensitive, more sensitive than others. I was going to say something else, but I'll go back to the uh, back to the the oils. MCT oil. I found personally that it's a very I liked that because it was a very thin oil and it seemed to travel easily through like a twenty five gauge pin uh, versus like cottonseed oil was always so just it's always like the basic. Yeah, but then see, I've always used greens. So you've used what? Oh, greens. the larger needles, huh? Yeah, I've yeah. always injected with greens. I never bothered with this fanning around with blues and orange bollocks. So yeah. uh, I just thickness, viscosity of oil was never a major problem unless I was trying to 
use a five mil syringe and then the back pressure became an issue. But so hmm. uh, it, it was never really a, a concern. Um, and I just never really paid that much attention to it. And the other thing is, I don't know what it's like over there, but labs over here, and maybe not so much of an issue now, but they weren't very open at disclosing what carrier oils they were using anyway. I see. I see. What, um, no, I, I remember in Under Construction too, you actually visited a guy who made a batch of, a chemist, he was making a batch of test or something. What was that like? Well, he, he, I don't know. He just he, he made it. Obviously, it wasn't correctly filtered. It wasn't correctly. So I'm assuming he just took it away and binned it. Oh, really? Uh, he may have put put it back through a filter and cleaned it up to use. I don't know. Um, but uh, he took it away with him, and I never saw it again. So I honestly don't know what happened with that. But he so he made this though. Like you were sitting in the room with him while he did it. Well, what he did was he brought the raw powder and he bought the carrier oil, which. I think was rapeseed oil in that case. Okay. Uh, and he bought the benzol and the benzoate, all pre-mixed with the benzo and benzoate and everything. Mm-hmm. So he used the microwave as a heat source, mixed it up in the, in the beaker, added the, the solvents, topped it over the carrier oil, uh, and then that was the end of what he did with that. And then he got out a vial that he'd pre-filtered that was sealed. Mm. And he was like, and here's so, the finished product. Yeah. So I don't know if the product in that that he showed was just oil or if it was just a genuine, you know, batch that he'd made up and just brought over that he was going to take back and decamp. Yeah. And I don't know what he did with the stuff that he'd made up in front of us. I don't even know if the materials he was using were genuine, if it was just a case of for the TV. But the process, the process was genuine and how he described it was genuine. I see. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. Felt- he was he was genuinely a, a a maker for a lab. He was generally a brewer for a lab. Okay. Uh, and we asked him if he'd do it and he agreed to do it after a lot of conversation. Mm. Uh, and we left that side of things completely up to him. Mm, yeah. I've heard uh, filtering is one of the big components that that's the thing where it takes, if you, if for guys that are doing it on that level, not doing it for just home use, you can't just sit there and put it through a syringe filter all day long. You got to have some filtration systems in order I actually did an interview with a with a chemist, and we never released it. I just didn't feel safe with it. I didn't want to put any kind of, I didn't want to put it out there and have him get in any trouble as a result of it. So I never released it, but I did like an hour-long interview with a chemist, and he talked all about the oils that he used, the solvents that he used. He was really, he was really down on uh, EO because people can have allergic reactions to it. He did not like EO. Yeah, there's there's no no doubt you can have allergic reactions to carrier oils. No doubt at all. Um, I've seen it borne out in blood work where yeah. you'll you'll see some of the white cells are low, which is usually a sign of some sort of allergy reaction. Or you'll see the things basophils that um, indicate histamine release. Mm. And you'll you'll start asking them, you know, what have you been doing? No, no, no. Um, but I get a, a red sort of sorbit after I inject. Yeah. And it's like, all right, well, you're showing a histamine reaction. And, you know, after a bit of investigation and the immolating other things, it turns out that it is the oils that they're reacting to. We must say chip, chip, cheerio to this segment because we have some listener questions, Dave. To start us out, let's go to that test flu question. (laughs) You like how I worked that in there? You love that, don't you? Let's start with this test flu question. Uh, we had a question asking us what causes I'm just seeing test if there's flu. any easy way to end it quickly. You got some rafters you could... Mm. Give it the urge to poke your eyeballs out with a microphone. Got a pen. Test flu. Lots of them. What causes it? Test. Next question. All right, guys. So here's the deal. I can answer this one. Basically, when you start using a steroid, uh, anything exogenous out of your body, what ends up happening is it's reading. Basically, it's um, it's an immune system response. Your body's reading it as like a foreign a foreign body. Like if you were to have uh, caught the flu, or you know, if you had some sort of virus, some sort of bug that you're trying to fight off. 
So your immune system basically kicks up. I found, so a lot of times what you end up seeing, test flu isn't something that happens like right away. It's as you are using the cycle within the first couple weeks, you're getting used to it. Maybe you're even starting to feel some some effects. Your strength starting to get better. Then all of a sudden you get sick. And what, what it is is it's just your immune system kicking up. I've noticed it as like a little bit of a mild fever, maybe not as hungry. And realistically, I do think you have to be careful because even though you're not really sick, your immune system is having a response. So I would back off a little bit. I wouldn't like just keep pushing, pushing. In the past, I would say, oh, just push through it because you're not really sick. But your immune system is acting as if you are sick. So kind a, a lot of the symptoms you get from colds and flu aren't the colds and flu. It's actually your immune system that causes the symptoms. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... Uh, what often works very well is to reduce the dose because it's quite often the the big peak that's causing the problem. Yeah. So it's a sudden influx of hormones on one particular day of the week, so to speak, that's actually triggering the immune response. But there is another. There is another test flu. What do you mean? There is actually another test flu. What do you mean another and test it is, flu? There is another test flu, and it is the flu what it, you get the flu like the test yeah you know, there's flu vi, there's a flu virus in the bile bottle no we are very often dealing with low level viral infections every day okay and you may you may now have an elevated white count because you're dealing with some foreign body some viral infection some bacterial infection that it just isn't enough ah. to trigger a whole host of symptoms yeah yeah so you then take test, and part of the impact on the flush of that hormone and creating that immune response is that it will suppress the immune. Mm. Hmm. And you, your immune system has a certain work capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a bit like a breaker on a fuse. It can handle up so much. You go above and beyond that, and you're going to start having problems. Yeah. So at the moment, your immune system is dealing with virus number A and virus number B, and it's keeping them quite happily, and you're not breaking a sweat over it, and you're all fine, and then all of a sudden you get virus number test. Ah, mm. uh, shit. I haven't got enough to cope with all three of these, so I can't manage these two anymore, so now viral A and viral B start to explode. That makes sense. And you generally get an infection or a, a flu or a cold because you genuinely have one because your immune system is just overwhelmed and can't cope with suppressing everything you've got going on at that time. Hmm. Um, Dandish, not Dandy Shane. Um, who was the other nutter? Um, Dave Crossland. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, he came up with his theory that you can get antivirals in the U S but you can't get them in the UK. They're not readily available over here, but you can get antiviral medication in the UK, in the U S hmm. we only have antibacterial medication. We don't have antibiotics. Um, but he had always suggested to run a cycle of antibiotics and antivirals before you started your cycle. Wow. So you made sure that there were no underlying viruses or infections in your system before you went on gear so that when you went on gear, the only thing that could cause that sort of reaction would be the actual hormone itself because you weren't triggering a, a, an explosion from an underlying dormant issue. That sounds interesting. At the same time, I'd be concerned because one thing that's going to happen for sure running an antibiotic is you're going to throw off your own, you know, your own equilibrium per se. Well, you know? I think, I think it was more antivirals he, he recommended, but I, I can't remember his name and I should do because he is, that's disgusting. We have spoke about it before. You don't know who he is. Okay. He would, somebody will know, he was hooked up with CMP, he was behind the original formulation of CMP, and, and then he formed Biohazard. Okay, well hey, well let's come back to it if you could remember, because I want to hear about NAD. Now this is a, oh, yes. this is a question I personally had. Uh, what is this stuff exactly, NAD plus? You just injected a mass bolus of it, IV, uh, over the weekend. It's magic. It's fairy dust in a bag is what this shit is. Um, so I started looking at NAD. There was a couple of reasons. Obviously, Eval does a sports infusions. So it had come up in conversation about NAD infusions. And generally, it was in the cosmetic market as an anti-aging 
product. But it was getting very strong reviews, and it was also showing quite a lot of scientific support for its aging reversal properties, particularly of stuff like treating Alzheimer's and degenerative brain disorders uh, and helping repair brain function. Now, I initially, what sort of got me really thinking about it was the other week when we looked at that that study about opioid receptors Mm. and steroids triggering opioid receptors because NAD's been used for quite some time as a treatment for cocaine um, addiction and uh, alcohol addiction. Um, and it's, it's used, I think it's about a 10-day course they do, and basically you're supposed to come out the other end having no cravings for the substances anymore. Huh. I don't know the exact sciences of what they do and how they do it. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but then I know there were some studies about where they'd, they'd done a, a course on somebody and the, the cellular age had reduced by 40 years and um, where it's shown benefit in treatment of arthritis and other cellular decay type issues, and yeah. it's been beneficial in, in kidney repair, and, and it went on. A disease, this shit would help you, you know. And I'm like, oh, this is bollocks. This, you know, it's always too good to be true, and all this crap. So, and then you took it. Every IV, well, every IV that we stock, I've done, and yeah, you have. So. I felt something off all of them. Some of them, shall we say, were a little bit underwhelming. Now, in doing the research, I discovered that if you put it in too fast, it can give you a really bad headache. And it can give you a very, very tight sensation in the chest. It can even cause vomiting and nausea and stuff like that. So I made sure it went in on a two-hour drip. Okay. Which is probably a bit too slow. And I ran 500 milligrams, which is regarded as a low-end effective dose. Mm. Um, so it started off got a knot in my chest here sort of shortness and tightness of breath not not worrying so but just a little bit uncomfortable um, got a headache that eased relatively quickly and then finished it and, and it was a bit hard to explain I felt okay but I felt very okay. Hmm. And I don't know how to explain it because it's nothing felt outstanding, but everything just felt really okay. So you started out, you got chest pain and then you got a headache Mm -hmm. and then those Mm -hmm. things went away. I predict Mm -hmm. that you felt okay because you didn't have a headache anymore. No, it was a different, it's a really odd sensation. It's very hard to explain. Okay. Huh. I mean, bearing in mind that previous to this, I'd only had, well, in the last three, the three days prior to that, because of the pain, I'd only probably had yeah. three hours sleep a night. So I was absolutely knackered. Yeah. I felt, I felt like shit. I'm in a lot of pain. And then all of a sudden, I just felt okay. But it was almost a little bit floaty, huh. a little bit not out of it. But just a slight disconnection to yourself. Weird. I do see there is um, orals available. Life Extension makes yeah. it, it says um, Life Extension NAD plus cell rejuvenation, regeneration. And I went to bed, and I started feeling better and better and better. And I woke up in the middle of the night for a pee, uh, and jumped out of bed had no sensation or indication that my foot was as painful as it was until I stood on it. Mm. It reminded me very, very quickly. But it was night and day. I just felt brighter, better, all across the board, mental focus better. Even my wife said the next day, my eyes were so much brighter and clearer. Uh, And actually open for once, yeah. and and it was it was really odd. Now I, I say I've never been overly impressed with these sort of things. I've always found them a little bit I don't seem to get the same response that other people do. So I've I've known people have them alongside me and they've gone, Oh, I felt really good at that and I've gone, No, I feel all right, just don't feel anything major. But this was dramatic, it was very dramatic. So much so that I'm desperate to try another one and put the dose for a little bit and see what happens. Well, keep us posted. Let us know, hmm. you know, how I'm that goes. I'm intending to run it long term, but I just want to secure that we've got the supply line before I start whacking it in. Yeah. 
Um, but no, it was, like I said, impressive, very impressive. And just from a point of the field, the fact of nothing else, I've never, I've never had any supplementation that's made me feel like that. Weird, man. All right, yeah. we have one from Billy Ryan here. He says, "I'm curious uh, to your thoughts on adding a TRT dose of test to help with gaining size." Uh, if your mere ultimate goal is to prioritize health uh, markers, you know, blood, excuse me, health and blood markers, specifically hematocrit. Right. He's not saying he needs TRT. Yeah, I don't know. It sounds like he's saying he wants to optimize his. He wants to gain. Well, I, I don't know, man. I mean, I know he's he's not a young guy. Yeah, I mean. Obviously, if you're going to start TRT, you're going to do away with your natural production. If you're doing true TRT, you are only reflecting your natural production. But obviously, depending on where you are in life, your natural production could be sub-optimal. So with TRT, you could maintain much tighter management of your levels and be much closer to optimum yeah. for a longer period of time. So you would definitely see benefits from that in how you feel general health and well-being, and in performance and muscle mass as well. You're not going to see cycle-level developmental changes, but you should see a reasonably direct effort-to-reward ratio from the work that you put in, yes. Yeah. Um, it'll be more noticeable if you've been struggling with lower levels of tests previously. If you've been sitting around 14 for the last two, three years, and then suddenly you're sitting at 25, you're going to really see and notice that difference. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. But if you're sitting at 22 and you're stabilizing at 25, 26, you're probably not going to really feel much because you're only really replacing what's already there. Yeah. The only difference is it won't decline in the next 5, 10, 15 years if you maintain the protocol. Yeah, or it won't decline if you start dieting hard or mm. you know changing the environment. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you'll still you'll still be able to maintain that. Um, you won't be susceptible to hormone fluctuations from stress factors as well as things like that as well. So it would depend as well. Like you know, if you had a particularly stressful job or your job went through particularly stressful periods, yeah, that you would maintain a much better hormone balance. Yeah, yeah, that's true too. I think to to find out specifically about like how it's going to affect your hematocrit. It's going to take some experimenting, but in my experience, when I've tried to run a bro TRT above normal, then my hematocrit is high regardless, you know? It's, from what I see, if you're going 20% above range, so if your range in the UK, well, they've just lowered it actually to 25, but the mm. range was 29, so call it 30 if you're starting to touch into the low, high 30s, low 40s, you're going to start to see an increase in, in red cell. Yeah. Um, it's not going to be worrying for a period of time, but it's going to start. And obviously this is, I would assume, a long-term protocol, almost a lifestyle change. So it's just something else you have to put in that you need to manage. Well, if you kept within the range markers, it shouldn't be a concern in the slightest. I ordered it's, some inositol. I want to try that. Some, some rhinositol. Rhinositol, yeah, inositol. It um, it's a, it's supposed to help with lowering so you're the ki You're killing rhinos. You grind them up. You get like a rhino. Right. You don't have to. So you, you grind the whole rhino, or just certain parts of it. Just like one of their legs. That way you can set the rhino free. He can still live with three legs, Dave. Have you ever seen a three-legged rhino? You're going to start seeing a lot of them now. You That wouldn't bode well for your success theory, would it? Because if they could live well with three legs, we'd probably see three-legged rhinos. <laughs> um, inositol, though, it's a supplement that you can use to lower your hematocrit by two or three points. So it's not going to be a big deal. But yeah, IP6, he's got it. Dante recommended it. And that's where I heard about it too. Um, it's not something that you could use like to, to combat uh, while you're on cycle, you know, in, in that case, it's just going to be a matter of your lovers are going to go high. But if, if you happen to run a little bit on the higher end, it might knock you down a few points. So I'm going to oh, give it a get, try. Just get a little left. Yeah. But you know what, man, I don't want to do that all the time. You know, I, and, and not but no matter what, if it, 
Okay, so hear me out here, all right? Mm -hmm. So these are all made-up numbers, but let's say 30 n mole, no increase, yeah? 40 n mole, 10% increase in RBC production, right? Okay. So you're in a 40 n mole, that 10% isn't going to start showing problematic levels for six months until six months. So you're going to run your rhino st stuff, your crowned rhinoceros. Um, after six months, that's going to give you a three-point drop. But that 40 n mole is going to continue to push an increase. It's continually to increase the levels of red at an accelerated rate. So if your thing can only drop three points, it's only going to be effective for a short period of time, and then it will just start rising again. I think that your hematocrit's only going to go up so much higher as long as you keep your, you know, if your dose is, if your dose is, um, we'll say a healthy TRT dose. And I, I'm, so not, I'm, not, I'm not able saying, to talk yeah. in the N moles. Like my brain doesn't process that. But yeah, if you're just, you're in a healthy NGTL. range. Okay. So you're saying nine, 900, 1,000, 1,100. Okay. Yeah. Uh, then you're saying that sitting around there, the, 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 acceleration of production is only going to be to a certain point and then it will plateau. Yeah. Like only so, so you know, you're yeah, only yeah. going to, you're only going to use, you know, if you're going to go higher, like you're not going to battle that when you're on cycle, you know, you're taking. No, but the, the problem is when you go on cycle, you're going to go higher. So you're going to have to go on a blood let bring it back down anyway. You could. Yeah. Then, then it would make sense. But for TRT, you know, if you're just going mm. up a point or two, you know, then, then you might be able to get away with not doing it. And I'll tell you, man, it's like I'm all for I'm all for phlebotomy, but I do think that there's reasons to not do it. And well, no, I I, I think there's a danger of it being overused. And yeah, there's there's definitely an a risk element. At the end of the day, you're going into your vein. Yeah, and after that uh, experience I just had this last yeah, time, you, I went, you, man, is that is that what's caused this? Is that what's behind this? Well, in part, yeah. I'm just thinking to myself, like I don't want to go in every month, you know, and because with my hematocrit, it went up to 54. It actually went to 56. So I got tested at 54. Then it took two weeks to get my insurance to clear to do the therapeutic phlebotomy and have my insurance pay for it. By the time I actually got back to do my phlebotomy, it was 56. Now I came back to do it a second time a month later and it was 53. So real, really, if I'm at 56, one, one bloodletting is not going to do it. And I think that that's something that's important for people to know too, who are using oh, yes. just their donation. Yeah. They go to the, the blue, the red cross and they donate once every three months. If you have high levels, like if you're running a gram, a test or even 500 milligrams, if you're getting up there in the fifties, you know, mid fifties, it's going to take more than just getting rid of one pint of blood. I mean, they're taking yep. more than a pint each time they're taking like 500. And then from there, uh, they're having me do it again, like every three to four weeks. 500 is less than a pint. Is it? I thought that 450. No, 568 is a pint. Okay. Well, they were taking more. They were taking more than a pint. <clears> they, 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 they standardize generally more for 450 than they do 500. They'll, do they? They're generally, you go, they'll take 450. They won't take 500. Usually, you've got to push them to do 500. But yeah, no, people don't realize that this isn't um, go, let, it's fixed. Right. You've got to continue the process until you get it back down to a reasonable level. Yeah. And. Um, and there is something to be said for not continually entering the vein um, yeah. in order to release blood. Um, I know you your last wasn't the best experience because it got dropped all over the floor and all sorts of mess, didn't it? You weren't too keen on that one. The dropping part, I kind of was actually, I had always wondered what it would look like if they dropped the bottle. Like I, I've been curious. <laughs> And they did. Yeah. So that didn't bother me so much. But the multiple veins they were trying to hit me in and the jabbing it around. And, oh, God, it was gross. And, and I'm thinking to myself, like, a small needle. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, it did hurt. But I'm thinking to myself, like, really, gosh, do I want to do this every month just to run high levels of test? You know, it's like, I really don't want to. I mean, what happens in a year if I go in every month and they're jabbing those veins up? You know, you're going to end up like a like the way a, like a, an IV addict would messing all your veins up. And, I, you know, so. But this oral isn't going to be as effective as bloodletting, so it's not going to replace the bloodletting for management, is it? It's only going to help you on a TRT dose. Yeah, you'd have to make sure that you, you know, it would be a combination of things, you know, 
which the that o- goes back to his first question, though, which was, you know, a TRT dose that he could stay healthy on. So The other thing you can do is a period of time on low dose as well, because it will come down naturally if you take some time off the ship. Okay. Oh, which I- we, we tend not to put into consideration anymore, but if you just drop down to in-range doses for six months, a lot of your high levels are going to come back down. Yeah, I do think if you stay on the TRT, all it's gonna create a, it's gonna take longer than if you mm. were to come off of it altogether. If you could handle yeah. that, you know, come off for a month of all shots. Oh, you know, I bet it would come down. And by the way, I missed a word. He had the word "add." What to add to your TRT? So he wasn't even. What is he? What do you add for muscle mass while not creating high hematocrit? Which that makes sense. Ah, right. Um... So a cycle, basically. Well, unfortunately, all anabolics are going to have an impact on the hematocrit. Obviously, oxys, EQs, they have a bigger impact. Yeah. Uh, we lost Dave again. I, I tend to find mast is not as dramatic. Yeah. What? Yeah. What? Me? What? I lost you for a minute, but we got we, we caught the gist sort of, of it. I said... Um, mast? I... Mast is not as um, efficient at raising um, hematocrit. At the same time, it's probably not going to be like the best muscle builder either. It's I mean, it's going to add something, no. sure. But you've, you've, at the end of the day, you're saying, I want to play with a gun, but I don't want to be able to kill anything, hurt anyone, or have any problems. There's, you know, if you want the results, there's an element of risk that comes with that. Yeah. So if you don't want the risk, you don't get the same level of results, and that's that's just life. Yeah, yeah. The, gr- the greater the risk, the greater the potential reward. It's just how life is, unfortunately. You know, safe bets are safe bets for a reason, because mm. easier to achieve. So what about, uh, we've talked about Primo just in the last episode. How about a low dose of that? Would that be yeah. more effective for muscle building than MAST? I wouldn't have said so. Um, I mean, they always regard MAST as a poor man's Primo, don't they? Yeah. yeah. From, from a point of view of, of actual impact, um, they've, they, you know, it's always been touted of if you can't afford Primo, get MAST. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people that thought they were getting Primo were getting MAST. Right. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> but um, no, I don't think there'll be. If you're very on point with what you do and you have a relatively well defined physique and a relatively well control over your responses, yeah, then I think you will find subtle differences in how Primo works. Excuse me, how Primo works for you and how Mast works for you. But if you're like most of us, where you're a little bit numb to it all, to be honest, because you're not that super consistent and you have a life and you have kids and you have things that stress you and you miss workouts and you have to go to a job and everything else, you're probably not going to really see those differences. But if you are very highly tuned to, to your physique, then I think you'll find Primo probably just a little bit nicer and better. Okay. And that little bit better look. But But other than that, for most people, it's... You know, I suppose it's a bit like the real Louis Vuitton against the Louis Vuitton from the market. You know, when you look at either of them, they look the bloody same. How many uh, Louis Vuitton bags do you have, Dave? I I would rather not answer that question, please. Okay, we'll talk about it after the show. We got another one here. Um, Advice on dispersing lumps from injectable L-carnitine. Here's the deal is that... um, They've been there for over a week now around my stomach and won't go down. He tried to massage them, but with no luck. That's from Paul. Uh, heat would be one thing. Mm. Uh, hot water bottle and massage would be another. But I would be tempted to go to a massage and say, break that down. Time. You know, I think time, it's going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. At that time, it should happen. Unless there's, unless you've triggered an abscess, which I find highly unlikely. Yeah. Um, because I'm assuming you've done this sub-Q, if you're talking about stomach wall. Um, yeah. If you've done it, I am into the stomach. I don't know why you put L-carnitine, I am into the stomach. I wouldn't Ooh. have thought there would be any preference to that. But um, So, 
and that un- unless there's something more to it, but I can't see there would be, and definitely not from what you've been doing. Um, then no, it's just like you say, time breakdown, heat will all help dissipate whatever has caused those lumps. Yeah, be it an inflammation or um, a, a, a pocket in a scar tissue or just a pocket of fluid or whatever it may be. Yeah. All right, Dave. Well, listen, let's wrap it up here, man. Uh, gotten a lot of stuff out there today. Guys, if you have any questions you'd like to share with us, please put them in the feed. Uh, everything that you guys post at our YouTube page, uh, I read it. And uh, I want to hear all about your thoughts well, you on the T-shirt. like I do. Well, what happens is is I take the comments that, that, that Dave would be interested in, and then I screen cap them, and I send them to Dave. And then Dave may or may not respond to me. But... We appreciate all the questions and all the feedback we've been getting on the show. Um, t-shirt. We got another mention, by the way, for the T-shirt. So we're at 96 more mentions now. Anybody else want a T-shirt of Dave Crossland? Right. Let's be truth. Right, Scott. You send screenshots of anybody abusing me. Yeah, I encourage it, actually. Right? Yes, you do. I encourage you actually engage in conversation of anybody that starts to try and have a pop. I send them a friend you, you request get, first, usually, and then I'll send them a do. gift card to somewhere, you know. And then you'll start saying, yeah, he's a bit of a dick, isn't he? Yes, I totally agree with you and stuff mm-hmm. like this. And then you screenshot it and send it me. <laughs> I don't screen part the, I, screen cap the part where I say that, though. Just the part. No, I know. You know and then you wonder why I'm in a bad mood or I'm upset or on quiet place where I can have a teddy. Um, because you bully me. And it's not big and it's not clever, Scott. I'm an old man. Dave. I might not be with you much more. You might not what? Be with you much more. <laughs> uh, Worcestershire sauce. Will you will you come to my funeral? It depends. It depends on um and how cheap the tickets are to get out there. If I can get a good deal. And if the weather's like good that time of year, like if it's a good time to be yeah, in this, England. You know, this is what I like about the level of friendships I have. So I had a friend of mine ring me last week. He says, how are you feeling at the moment? I went, all right. It was Richard. Yeah. I went, not so bad. Why? He says, uh, you feeling ill? Well, not particularly. Why? So now we started Deadpool up again. I want to know how much of a good bet you'd be. So, so he's betting on when I'm going to die. Hmm. Richard. Yeah, this is the level of friends I have. And, and then you bully me, send me abusive messages. Honestly, you want to see the shit he sends me when he's not on screen? He'll send it me now. He'll get in his phone. He'll type up, you, you fat, ginger, useless English twat. I hate working with you. And all these sort of things I get all the time. And then he wonders why I get upset. The boobs. That is a boost. Yeah. A boost. A what? What's that word? A boost. A boost. A boost. What's a boost? I once had a cl- I once had a client whose partner couldn't say abuse and kept saying a boost. Oh, a boost. I thought this was like a British but, word that I didn't know about. No, it just became a bit of a private joke. He's even beating his dog and throwing it out at room. <laughs> All right, guys. Check out uh, crosslands.org.uk. Of course, go to truenutrition.com. Check out everything we've got over there. Guys, we'll see you soon.